Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hey there, I'm Carly Beth Rankin, and it's a pleasure to have you join me today. There's a spot at my table just for you. Now let's break bread together. Well, hey, hey, welcome back to our third week in the Soil Seeker series, where we are unpacking the parable of the sower. However, unlike the Hall of Faith series, I do feel like every week in the series is crucial to grasping the message as a whole. So if you miss a week, I do suggest you catch up before jumping in or continuing on. Okay, so last week I made a promise that this week we would finally get to the meat of Jesus' teaching. So without further ado, let's scoot closer to the water and hear the words our teacher has for us today. While sitting in the boat, Jesus spoke a parable to those gathered on the beach. He started by saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Matthew 13, 3-4 in the NIV. Alright, let's first do what the crowd never attempted to do and decide for who or what each part of the parable represents. In my quest to discover the hidden meaning, I've found the same parable written in other Gospels. Both Mark and Luke offer context clues on the seed's symbolism. In Mark 4.14, Jesus told his disciples, The farmer sows the word. And in Luke, the clue is even more blatant when he says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Luke 8.11 Okay, so that proved easier solved than I anticipated. Jesus literally spelled it out for us and ensured Mark and Luke both documented it for our benefit. Appreciate that, JC. So the seed sowed is undoubtedly the word of God, which makes understanding who the farmer is pretty simple. The man who was depositing the word of God, a.k.a. Jesus himself. Check, check. The last thing we need to confirm is who the birds represent that snatch the seed away. In Matthew, Jesus' words for birds are replaced with evil one. In Mark, it's replaced with Satan. And in Luke, it's recorded as the devil. So that's pretty crystal too. The birds represent Satan. Let's do a little recap before we read the explanation of the parable in full. The farmer sowing the seed is Jesus. The seed sown is the word of God, and the birds that snatch the seeds away is Satan. That little cheat sheet should help make the parable much easier to grasp moving forward. Like we've already read, Jesus began his parable of the sower by describing seeds that fell on a path and then were snatched away by birds. Jesus goes on to describe several other seeds and the results of their growth, but for the purpose of this series, We are only going to study one seed at a time so as to not get too overwhelmed. So today, let's keep our focus zoned in on the seeds that fell on the road. Jesus explained part of the parable to his disciples in Matthew 13, 19. Referencing our own little cheat sheet, we can summarize his explanation something like this. When anyone hears or reads the words of the Lord and doesn't comprehend them, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. This is the word scattered on the path. Matthew 13, 19, my paraphrased version. 
Jesus said the evil one steals the word when the receiver doesn't understand it. That's what causes their landing on the path. Because the seeds have nothing to sink into and take root, they're left exposed and vulnerable. No wonder they're up for grabs. The seeds sown are basically just chilling on the road out in the open, practically screaming, Look at me! Look at me! I'm tasty and would make a good breakfast! Coincidentally, yet no coincidence at all, the Greek word Jesus used for path is hados, which can mean a way of thinking, feeling, or deciding. Like we examined last week, it's our own sinful thinking and desires that culminates the hardness in our hearts. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Each time we act in sin, we're pouring the asphalt over our hearts, obstructing the seeds from falling in. I don't know what sins you struggle with, but I know the sins that entangle me. Pride, fear, slander, judgment, and resentment, just to name a few. I know, I know, being reminded of your sin might be bringing up feelings of doom and gloom, but don't fret. (laughs) There's still hope for us yet. Remember the disciples? They weren't sinless beings. They were ordinary people just like us. However, they were able to gain wisdom because of their complete abandonment to the Lord. They literally deserted everything to be part of Jesus' ministry. They listened with eagerness to understand. They asked questions desiring to learn. And they followed Jesus' every move in hopes to replicate him on their own. You and I can receive the discernment they gain too. Now that we recognize it's our sin that hinders us from pursuing understanding, we can start to shovel up that dang road and start laying some miracle grow. So how do we do that? Well, first, I think we need to ask the Lord to reveal our sins so we can repent. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, repenting acts as the cold planer driving across the roads of our heart, ripping up the paths of obstruction. It might get messy, but it's necessary to clear the path to be able to plow the field. Secondly, We need to draw close to Jesus and heed his instructions. Okay, okay, pause. I'm going to take us back to school for a second. and Bear with me. I promise this has a purpose. When you sat in, let's say, your high school algebra class, and halfway through the lesson, you realized you were completely clueless on simplifying the equations, but knew you'd be required to solve them on the test, what did you do? Well, if you're anything like me, you were too shy to raise your hand in front of the whole class, so you waited for the teacher to finish the lesson when you discreetly tapped on your brainiac friend's shoulder and pleaded for their mercy. I found someone that could answer my questions and walk me through it. I sought understanding so I would know the formulas for the test. See, the solution to not understanding is simple. We've exercised asking questions and seeking answers our whole lives. Our hearts just desired knowledge to ace a test more than it desired to know the will of God. And that changes now. The Bible assures us when we approach God hungry for wisdom, He will grant it to us. 
So let's ask God all the questions. Let's study his words, seeking answers and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. In fact, I'll pray for us right now. Lord, I ask that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Amen. And that prayer is Ephesians 1.17 if you wanted to write it down and proclaim it for yourself today. I hope this week was encouraging to you. I hope that that is enlightening. It was enlightening for me. Um, And I look forward for you joining me next week as we continue in our soil-seeking journey. May God bless you and have a great week.